0: We're going to start just a few minutes earlier. So uh, I noticed on the way in this morning, I don't know if anybody else noticed all the snow geese that are in the fields. And I actually saw a red-winged blackbird. Now that's spring. Robins, yes. I've seen some robins. Bluebirds. So God has a plan. Everything follows his plan. So we're, we're blessed with that. So it's looked like we might have a warmer week this week. And uh, that will be a good good change in the weather. So we will see. Uh, Before we get started, you will notice in your bulletin that there is a single sheet in there, a survey on communion. Uh, Easter is coming fast, and Pastor Sandy and the deacons got together and came up with three different alternatives or suggestions for communion, for love feast, and we would like you to read this and mark it and drop it in the basket In the back, there's a little wicker basket back there uh, next to the the offering plate. So please try and get that done today. If uh, you can't do it today, next week at the very, very latest. Uh, But they're trying to get a little bit of a feel as to how you would be comfortable in doing communion. We We want to practice communion as we're instructed from scripture but we want to know what you're comfortable with so if you would do that we would really appreciate it and if you want to think about it you can you can call Nancy Uh, her telephone number is at the bottom of the sheet you can call Nancy with your preferences and let her know that way too you don't have to make a decision right now if you want to think about it but give her a call before too long so that she can gather all the suggestions together. Uh, today we have uh, a guest speaker, Ruby Bean. Ruby comes to us, she lives in Town. And she has has pastored, she's a member of Akron, Church of the Brethren. And she had pastored in Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah, so part of Northeast Conference, uh, Northeast District. So uh, when uh, Pete Concha said, well, maybe you could get Ruby to come and speak, I thought, oh, my gosh, she's going to drive from Wilmington. I said, I don't think so. So I'm glad that she's here. I think she's going to bring bring a good message. And uh, we're anxious to hear what she has to say. So uh, we'll hear that a little later on. I think we have all the announcements out of the way, unless I missed something. Okay. Okay, so flowers are still, available, and uh, if you want to have uh, a flower in the sanctuary, let Nancy know as soon as possible. Oh, yes. Elaine and I were just talking about that. See how quickly that right out of my mind. Next week is Turn Your Clocks Ahead week, so we spring forward next Sunday, so make sure you turn your clocks ahead so that you're here, and time for worship. So, thank you, Dave. All right. Well, now that, I think, is all the announcements we have. We do have an opening hymn, ladies and gentlemen. It's number 67, The Love of God. Let's stand and sing number 67 together. We have joys and concerns as next on our agenda, and we always ask for comments on that, but I would like to share something with you. I shared this with our Sunday school class, And I I hope they don't mind if I repeat it. Has anybody ever heard of a little African country called Eritrea? I think that's how you say it. It's spelled E-R-I-T-R-E-A. How do you say it? Eritrea? That sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, I never heard of it. I was listening to WDAC. <laughs> that sounds good, though. <laughs> I was listening to WDAC on the radio one night, and they came up with this little uh, news item, and they said you can go online and you can check out our news items. So I did, because I didn't catch everything that they said. But Atria, uh is a little country. If you can, in your mind, picture the Red Sea. And Egypt's on one side, you know, and, and Ethiopia is down And the lower part of that, on the west coast of the Red Sea, Eritrea is a little tiny country sitting right next to Ethiopia. And it's a very tiny little country. Ethiopia looks like a massive stretch of land. And Eritrea is just a little, little country right there. uh, Shares the border with Ethiopia. And they're against the Red Sea also. Also on the west coast, of course. And this is what what they said on the radio. The government of the repressive African nation has set 21 Christian women free after holding them for more than four years. They are arrested in a series of raids on underground Christian churches. Retira is still listed among the worst persecutors of believers in the world, but it's been unexpectedly releasing Christian prisoners lately. Seventy were set free last month for a total of 171 since August of last year. End of story. They don't say why. I think I know why. Uh, we've been praying for persecuted Christians in this congregation for a long time. And they don't say there's any military action. There's any, any uh, pressure put on them from other nations. But prayer works. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Even if it was somebody putting pressure on them to release them, uh, I think God had a hand in that. So it's, that's good news. Never heard of that little country before. But I'm sure people are rejoicing in the fact that their loved ones are being released. Now, joys and concerns. Christine, do you have any updates you'd like to help us with? Okay.
1: Uh, Yes, on our prayer guide, some of the updates, uh, Marcia Garrett uh, under cancer, she had her surgery on Monday, and it's going to be followed by chemo and radiation. Um, Daniel Adams, down under our illnesses, he's the guy that had third-degree burns, and he's been at the burn center for quite a few months. He is now at home, but I have been told that he's really dealing with a lot of emotional things, plus the healing. Because his body had been very burned very badly. So we just pray for Daniel uh, and his whole attitude of getting well. Yeah. And I know God's putting his touch upon him. And we feel we all need to pray for him. Uh, Marion Hackman, she's been dealing with infection in a toe that's been going on for a, some time. And she was at the doctor this week and found out there was infection there. But the toe has not been right for quite some time. So... We just keep her in our prayers, and when we get more update, whether she'll have to have surgery or not, we don't know yet for sure. So I'm just passing that along for her, and, and pray for these people. We have quite a few on under that were under grieving, that uh, a couple that had just passed away, and uh, keep them in your prayers, the family and the friends of these people. And we had some, a blessing. We got another great grandchild on Friday. Natalie and Ross Baker had a little girl, so now they have a little boy and a little girl. Great. So we're just thankful. Oh, I'm just thankful to the Lord for a he- healthy mother and healthy baby. Okay, everybody's doing good. Just pray for that. Yes, they're doing Great. fine. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, so what's the name? <laughs> oh, her name is Quinn Nicole. Quinn Nicole. Uh-huh. Okay. And Natalie has a twin sister, and her twin sister's name is Nicole. Okay. And now we just found out that, Nat- that Nicole is also... Uh, going to have a baby, her first child. Oh so God. it was a happy, happy event. We were only at the shower on Sunday and she had her baby on Friday, so it oh was quite <laughs> she was not due till the seventeenth of March, but uh everything's fine. We're just thankful Good.
0: for that. Good. Number ten. <laughs> Number ten.
1: Yeah.
0: Gosh. No wonder you don't Number have any hair.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I just want to say the words to that song. That first song were just spectacular. Oh
0: yes, yeah. And Megan, you picked that, right? Yeah, she picked good ones. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, very good. Anyone else? Nancy.
1: We had been praying for quite some time for Elwood Miller, and he had been doing better. In fact, I think it was three weeks ago, he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, I never thought I would see you looking this good. And now this week, he went to Dr. Friday, and he's off his constant oxygen. He can be.
2: Wow.
1: So he's doing very well, and we praise the Lord for his miraculous recovery.
2: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Who else? Karen? Put your disguise on.
3: <laughs> um, my grandson, Whalen got to come home uh, this past Thursday evening uh, he's still not drinking as much as he should be, but he's doing better at home than he did at the hospital. Uh, they came to my house Thursday when they left because I had all the other kids, and he just sat and played with toys. He was like in his glory because he could actually have toys to play with because he was at Grammy's house. <laughs> and um, he surprised his brothers and sisters because I got a email or a text from mommy saying we're coming, but don't tell the kids we want to surprise them. So. They were definitely surprised when their baby brother walked in the door. And then um my mother-in-law um we are in, uh she was at the doctor on Wednesday found out she may need another surgery. We don't we won't know for another month or so um to do, I don't know how I do this, but bone grafts in her leg. So um just keep praying for her, but right now I'm in the process of trying to figure out home care. If anybody has any um tips that they can give me. Um, or know anybody that does that, um, I'd appreciate the information. But just keep praying for her, because she is walking farther. This week she was up to 50 feet with her walker, so oh, she's moving right along. <laughs> 20 feet last week. Right? 20, yeah, yeah, like 21 feet. Yeah. yeah, and this week they, well, they told me 30 to 50, so obviously it must yeah. depend on how tired she is. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but, yeah, so keep praying. Okay. She keeps saying, I hear them saying I'm coming home. That's what she keeps telling my oh, daughter, and I'm like, um, <laughs> Yeah, I have to figure everything out before you can do that.
0: Yeah, but that's a, that's a plus for her. Yeah.
3: I um, have a praise. Um, my oldest grandson,
1: Jared, is getting baptized in a couple of weeks. So Great. Praise Great. God.
0: Great. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Tina. While you're here.
2: <coughs> uh um, huh. I just have a quick update on Aiden Schaefer, uh, the 15-year-old boy that we were have been praying for with um, the epileptic seizures and also possible MS. His mother uh, told me that he did some testing and there is no MS. Wow. So that is a true blessing. Now they just have to get the seizures under control for him, but no MS. So that's tr- yeah.
0: What about the little girl that supposedly had leukemia?
2: Oh yeah, she's she's cancer free. Great. Yep. Yep. Her mom actually, um, because Karen had told me, but then her mom actually sent me a picture of uh, her with a shirt on that said, I'm a leukemia survivor. And uh, yeah, so they, they have said cancer free. Yeah, that, that's a true miracle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Anyone else? Gary, let me scoot over there.
3: Uh, Just thinking about people sick and uh, Joyce Strickler and hasn't been here, what would the congregation think about sending her a prayer shawl for, I mean, I don't know who would be involved, but I think it would be something we ought to do.
0: Thanks, Gary. You know, I could help you with that, too. Uh, I, I have a cleaver. I don't know.
2: it didn't it didn't make it in the bulletin today i'm not sure why but today is actually their anniversary 62 years
0: wow 62 years mm-hmm.
2: so and mary and virgil is 60 is that which 60 <laughs> wednesday for mary and virgil and Tyne and tracy's and okay and then yeah karen christopher's birthday is thursday and but i'm i'm thankful i'm thankful for all of you yeah. <laughs> It's just everything is crazy. With everything in the world, it's crazy. But it's just nice to be able to come here and share with all of you, yeah. and have our family, and <laughs> yeah. just leave all that stuff out outside. For <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I mean, not really, because we need to bring it to the Lord. But at the same time, to just feel His presence and know that He's in control. Yeah. So,
0: and that's why we come come together as a, a corporate body because we need each other, and. Uh, You know, yeah, people say, oh, I don't have to go to church. No, you do. Stanley, 62 years. How did you put up with her for that long? I wanted to say that on my I'm thankful for the example that they have been. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to hear that. You know, you see things on TV or you hear oh such and such a wonderful movie star they're getting divorced after 2 months of marriage, you know. And and when you hear somebody that's married for 62 years and they've been coming to church and they have a great family and, and great kids, and it's, it's great. It's great. We have a number of families like that that have been together for a long time. And it's a real blessing. It's a real blessing. Well, like Amy said, I think we have a birthday. This coming Thursday is Karen Christoffel's birthday. Now, she's not with us today, but uh, we're gonna sing happy birthday to her anyhow. And uh, happy anniversary to Ty and Tracy, and of course, our patriarchs here. Happy anniversary. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Mary and Virgil too, yes, that's right. Uh, Am I permitted to say uh, about the card for Mary and Virgil, they're not here. Uh, Mary and Virgil are, uh, have been coming sporadically because of the COVID situation. And uh, Christine called and said they'd like to do uh, a card shower for them. So if anybody did not get the word, if you could send a, a card to them, an anniversary card, they would really appreciate it, I'm sure, because they're, they're a great couple, so. All right, a happy birthday to Karen. Here we go. Well, we welcome Ruby to bring our message today. She's going to be reading scripture from 1 John. Thank you, Ruby, for being so gracious and accepting our invitation. Of course, I think Pete probably twisted your arm. I
4: think I'm on. All (laughs) All right. Um I have to be honest, I have not heard anything from Pete. <laughs> <So> <laughs> no, you said that Pete was the one that suggested me, but I have not heard anything. To Ruby's not doing anything. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kinda of true. <laughs> Because before I even read the scripture this morning, I guess I should maybe just tell you a little bit about who I am. Um, I'm originally from Lebanon County. I I was was born in in the Good Samaritan Hospital in in Lebanon and lived just north of Lebanon for eight years of my life and then after that moved multiple places, Uh, first with my parents and then on my own as I became an adult. did multiple things in my life and i'm not going to go into into all all that now but uh i finally ended up working down in the philadelphia area i needed to find a church i grew up in the evangelical congregational church and going down to the philadelphia area there were no i'm getting a glare from a from a car out there (laughs) so i'm going to move some probably around a little bit to just try and, and you know get rid of that glare um yeah, and uh, going down to the Philadelphia area, I started looking for a church, and it was a process, but I finally ended up in the Drexel Hill Church of the Brethren, and it was there as I was, um, that, that's fine, that's, that's, that's good, that takes the glare away, thank you, <laughs> it was just hard getting, getting that particular with the glasses, um, so I, I'm there in the Drexel Hill Church, and, and I'm teaching youth at that time and they approached me and said we think you need to consider set apart ministry and I was like wow and you know and it took some time and uh as I discerned that and finally really felt that God was calling me into ministry and so I went to Eastern Baptist Seminary which was just uh, about 15 minutes from where I was living in Drexel Hill and so I graduated from there in 2002 and then took a pastorate at the Hatfield Church of the Brethren over in Montgomery County and was over there in that area and doing various things, uh, did an interim at Providence Church and then had the call down to Wilmington, Delaware. So it was about, it was in 2016, I moved from Pennsylvania to Delaware the first time that I have ever lived out of state on a permanent basis and was down there for four years and left uh, there the end of May last year and was able to buy a house in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania and move back to Lebanon County, which is home for me, uh, close to a sister and a brother that's over south of Kutztown. And, so, and close to some nieces. And so it's just, uh, it's been a real blessing this past year to be up here and to be kind of feeling like I'm at home. I realize this church is in Dolphin County, but you're so close to Lebanon and probably a lot of you live in, in Lebanon County as well. Um, so that's just a very brief sketch of, of who I am. And... Uh, it was My call into ministry was from the Drexel Hill Church, but it was not the church. It was God calling me. And so I want to share with you this morning from God's Word. I'm going to read from 1 John, chapter 1, starting with verse 1. And I don't know if Megan even had this scripture or had time when she picked the songs, but the songs that she picked are very appropriate for the message that I'm going to give. And from this scripture, you wouldn't think that. (laughs) But you know what? That's how God works. You know, somebody else picks the songs, but, you know, they, they, they mesh with what's going to be said. And that's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, prompting us what to say and what to do. And as I, as I got this uh, email from Mike, from you know, just a little over a week ago, uh, about preaching, I was like, oh, what scripture? And I just kept, oh, I could do that. I could, and I kept coming back to this scripture. And so let's hear uh, what John wrote to the believers. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it, and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. May God bless the reading of his holy word. When you look at that scripture, you go, where are we going this morning? Well, John talks there about seeing things and sharing them. And I think that's the way it is with any one of us. When we have a special experience, we see something beautiful or unusual, your impulse is, I want to tell somebody else. I want to let them know about what has happened. And so I give you one experience of that I had this past week. And kind of every year, every year, right this time of year, I like to go to Middle Creek. And of course now I live real close to Middle Creek. So it makes it convenient (laughs) to go there. But my niece and I went out on Friday and uh, one of the many times to see the snow geese and the tundra swans. And the fact that you talked about the snow geese at the start of the service, they're there, thousands upon thousands of them. And if somebody had not been there before, you'd have to kind of describe and tell them what that situation is. Because when you go to this parking area, of course we even had to park along the road because the parking lot was filled. There's just people all, that, all over the place too. But you get out of the car and you hear this noise. And you don't see anything. And if somebody wasn't there before, they'd be saying, where's that noise? What's that noise? And you say, oh, that's the geese. Well, where? You know, So you go out, start back this pathway, and you keep hearing the noise, and it's getting louder and louder. And at one point, you get some glimpse back there. But as you come around and get past the woods, it opens up, and there you see the lake with these thousands of snow geese and some tundra swans as well there on that lake. And many of you may have probably been there to Middle Creek at some point and have seen this. But it's just amazing to stand there and, and, and see them and, and watch them. One of the interesting things is because part of that lake still has ice on it this year. And over here in this one area, there's this ice. And they were up there on the ice, and some of them, they were all cuddled up, just kind of laying there resting. They were just having a good old time, you know, just like white rocks uh, on, on the ice. The other thing was there was a piece of ice just floating. And there was one goose that was standing on that piece of ice. And it's just floating along, just having kind a of good old time, you know, wherever that ice was going to take them, you know. But the sight that I think I like the most is when they fly. And I had my camera with me, and I got a picture of some of the tundra swans flying. And I went home and looked at my pictures. There's this one picture of three of them, and the wings are all at the same Angle, I want a gorgeous picture against the blue sky, but we see these birds, and not only do I see them at Middle Creek, I see them flying over my house uh, in these V-shapes, what a beautiful sight, and I look at that and just marvel at the wonders of God's creation, and that how do these birds know when to migrate? When is the time for them to go? I mean, some were there in January, and then it got cold, and everything froze over, and then kind of, you know, there was still a little bit of open area, and and some were there. But now it's just like flocks are coming in. And how do they know that that's a safe place for them to be overnight? Who tells them all that stuff? It's something they know. And God, the creator, lets them know. But I'm not going to continue to go on talking about the birds even though we could probably talk about that for a long time, but we want to look at our scripture this morning, and as I read that scripture, I think, and probably for any of you, there's probably these questions that come up in your mind, like, why is John writing in that way, and talking about the things that he has experienced, He says, he he writes and he says, those things that we've heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. That is concerning Jesus Christ. Why does John use the senses? Why is he talking in those kinds of terms? What did John see and experience? And so this morning we're going to take a few moments to look back at some of those experiences that John had. So we want to walk with, kind of with John, as he experienced various things in those three years that he was with Jesus. If we turn back into the, the Gospel of John, another book that was written by John, to the fifth chapter, if you're, if you're having to turn there, what you, the heading you're going to see is Feeding the 5,000. So let's just go to that scene for a, a moment. And there we were along the Sea of Galilee. Now, so happens that the, the one that John writes about, it took place on the Eastern Sea, on the Eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm not sure if anybody was ever over in Israel. I, I, have, I, w- I was privileged to go there in 2012. And when you're there, the Sea of Galilee, it's... it's a, kind of a big lake, some say why is it a sea, but it's about seven miles across I think. Um, And what you have to understand is the hills kind of go up away from that sea. Now these aren't mountains like we have here, they're, you know, big hills, of course they would probably call them mountains because they don't have a lot of other, other mountains, there are some other mountains in high, high areas but they're not covered with trees, like our mountains are here. There might be some bushes, but it's kind of these grassy slopes that go up through. So it's a perfect setting for somebody to be up there and teaching. You know, there's a place for the people to sit down. So that's kind of the setting so that you can kind of get a sense of where this was taking place. And Jesus sees these crowds coming to him, and, and he decides, let's give the people some food. And he asks Philip, you know, where can we go and buy some bread? You know, and we look at Philip's answer, and he's like, we can't buy enough bread for, for all these people. But Andrew, he finds a little boy with his lunch, with five small barley loaves and two fish. And I'm sure John is probably thinking about that time, because John's not directly involved. John's not being asked any questions, so he's the one's kind of standing back and looking over the situation. And he's like, you know, there's five loaves and two fish and there are all these people. How are they going to get something to eat? Because you have to realize this is probably pretty early on in Jesus' ministry. So, you know, the disciples didn't have a lot of understanding at that point in time of who Jesus was. But Jesus takes one of those small loaves of bread and he holds it up and he gives thanks for the food that is going to be provided for the people. whenever we gather to have food, that should be our prayer of thanks for the food that we have before us. And after Jesus gives thanks for that loaf of bread and those fish, he hands the loaves to the disciples or probably whatever you know, basket, you know, t- you t- take them out of there, whatever they have. And then think about it as they're going out there to distribute that food I'm sure the disciples, if he has a basket, he's like, is there going to be enough? Maybe I should take this loaf and divide it. You know, give some to this person, that person, you know, to see if it's going to go far enough. And I think there's a lesson there for us. Don't hold on to things too tightly. Be willing to give. Because every time those disciples reached into that basket, there were some more, uh, more loaves there. It just didn't run out until everybody was fed. As John's there handing out that bread, he is the hands of Jesus, touching the bread and giving it to someone else so that that person can eat. As I said, you know, don't hold on to things too tightly be willing to give things away and that can be another whole sermon and we're not going there this morning but can you imagine now the 5,000 were fed and it tells us there's 12 baskets of leftovers (laughs) huge amount of leftovers and then the disciples go and they get in the boat can you imagine what they were talking about That night as they're on that boat and starting to row across the the Sea of Galilee to go back over to Capernaum, you know, how did we feed so many with such a small amount of food? All of a sudden, I think they're starting to see Jesus in a different light. You know, who is this teacher of ours? And I'm sure they were marveling at that experience. And John's like, yeah. We want to tell other people about what has happened here. You know, that's just a moral thing, you know, what, what, what they saw happen that day. But there's more to come. They're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And the other thing about the Sea of Galilee, because of these hills, these winds come down across those hills. And it, in a moment's notice, that sea that's nice and calm has waves. And it's rocking the boat. Put yourself in that boat. You're out there and some are rowing. If you're just sitting there in that boat and all of a sudden it just really starts to rock because those waves are are, are coming up higher. They're crashing against the side of that boat. I mean, that's frightful enough to be in a boat that's rocking because of the waves. But it doesn't end there. Then they see a figure out there on the water walking towards them. Now talk about being afraid. Did you ever see anybody walk on top of the water? Nope. None of us who are human can walk and cross on the top of the water. Um, even in the Dead Sea, where a person who can't float, like me, can float, but it couldn't walk on top of the water. As soon as you lift your feet up, you're floating. But still, we couldn't walk on the top. And of course, the disciples are like, "Who is that?" They're fear. They're, they're fearful. They're trembling. And Jesus calls out to them, "It is I. Don't be afraid." And with that, they were willing to take Jesus into the boat. And it tells us they arrived at their destination. They were out in the middle of the lake the sea when this transpired and Jesus is walking towards them they take him in the boat and all of a sudden they're at the shoreline of Capernaum. How does all this happen? When we hear about the things of Jesus, it leaves us pretty stunned. How can these things happen? These are the things that John is saying here in, in 1 John, you know I've experienced them, I've seen seen them, i heard the, the sounds. But when you think about what John saw and experienced in these events, he wants to tell us so that we can have a better understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus is not some ordinary man, he is the son of God who has powers that are beyond our human imagination and our human limitations. But we can know Jesus, and we can be in a personal relationship with him and draw on his limitless powers through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. Let's look at a couple more things that John saw and heard when he was with Jesus. One day as Jesus and the disciples were heading into the city of Jerusalem, the crowds gathered around, and the crowds took the palm branches And they started waving them and they started shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It seems that some of the people had come to the conclusion that this Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And that was one day. John hears those praises. He tells us about them. A few days later, it's time to go into the room for the Passover feast. All was ready. John took his place at the table, lying on a couch right next to Jesus. The meal was beginning. And Jesus gets up from the table and goes and gets a basin of water and a a towel. And he comes back and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Again, put yourself in John's place. John was one of them that helped to prepare that Passover feast. But he didn't provide for somebody to wash the feet when they came in from the dirty roads. And John himself was not going to stoop down and wash the feet. Because we know that there was some conflict within the disciples at that time as to who was the greatest, and and none of them were going to take that time and, 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 and stoop down and do it. And Jesus had to give them an example. At this point, instead of John touching something, it was Jesus coming to him and touching his feet and washing the dust off of John's feet. What did that touch mean to John? Something for you to ponder and think about, what does the touch of Jesus mean to each one of us? Even after the arrest of Jesus, John continues to stay close by. He's hearing all that's going on. He's seeing all that's taking place. He hears as Pilate questions Jesus, and then he hears the crowds shouting, Take him away! Crucify him! one other scene that we're going to look at but i'm going to pause for a moment and go in a different direction for for just a little bit for us to think about what this means for us john saw all the good that jesus did healing the blind man touching the untouchables and changing their lives he saw the crowds that gathered And he heard the words of Jesus as Jesus spoke truth to them and revealed God the Father to all who came to hear. And think of those intimate times when Jesus was just with the disciples and was teaching them about who his Father was. John heard Jesus talk about when Jesus said, I'm the bread of the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. and It goes on. As you read the Gospel of John, you you get a glimpse of who Jesus was because of John telling us all that he had seen and experienced. What is the importance of seeing Jesus and what he did for people while he walked here on earth? Just as Jesus changed lives back then, he is still changing lives today. I hope that all of you gathered here this morning know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But we, when we come to Jesus, we come to him with all our flaws, our hang-ups, our habits, all the behavioral things, all, all this junk that goes on in our lives. We come and we place that all at the feet of Jesus. And it's then that we we ask him to come into our life and it's at that moment that Jesus can begin to change us and make us into a new creation. When we have Jesus abiding in us, we are in fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And then our joy is complete. The fullness of the joy that comes from Jesus gives us a new way to see other people and how we live our lives. If in just some small way we can begin to see other people as Jesus sees them, then we will have the desire to tell them of how Jesus made a difference in our life. Just as Jesus reached out and touched the lives of people, we too need to be helping others when we hear about their needs being a witness to what we have experienced with Jesus can be done in all kinds of ways. Telling others how Jesus has provided for our needs. Showing them that the love of Jesus through the deeds of kindness that we do. Being patient with others. Writing a note of encouragement or calling a person to check on them. And I heard that in the sharing, you know, you do that within the church. And it's important to do it in the church, but it's even more important to be doing the acts of kindness and to be caring about your neighbors that don't go to church. The people you work with. Showing kindness to those who we see in the stores when we're out shopping. Speaking a word of kindness to that cashier who's there and you know, if people have to wait in line, sometimes people can be really nasty when they get up there to that cashier. But give them a smile. When they ask you how you are, you say, how are you doing today? You know, thank them for their service. Showing those little acts of kindness, being willing to talk to people. You know, we, we, can, we aren't the ones you know, out there, you know, trying to shove Jesus Christ down you know, telling somebody, oh, you got to be saved. That's not the first words we talk to people. But to just tell them and, and share a kindness with them lets them see somebody different. That's what happens for us when we know Jesus Christ. When we have experienced him in our life, and just as we experience Jesus, and you know, and I could tell you the story about getting my house and all of that, but you know, if you write me back some other time, maybe I'll tell you that story. Um, but I, I just see God at work. And those are the things that we share with other people. It doesn't have to be some, something long or, 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 or involved or, or sharing, you know, reading Scripture. It, it, it's great to have Scripture memorized and, and to know the Scriptures. But, you know, being kind to people, being caring for others And we learn that from Jesus and how he interacted with other people. We can only be effective in loving others when we are in love with Jesus. And that's what that first song, The Love of God, is one I've known for for years and years. But as we're singing that chorus today, the love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. That's what it's about. Because when we're in love with Jesus Christ, when we're in love with God, then we can be loving to other people. In, one of the, uh, in the Gospel of John, in, the, in chapter 20, verse 31, John wrote these words. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's what John's writings were all about. He wanted us to know about Jesus Christ. He wanted us to see Jesus as he saw Jesus. Because that makes the difference in us. Our life comes from Jesus. And so this morning, there's one more scene. I want to take us to. Together, we walk with John up the stony hill of Golgotha. We feel the roughness, sometimes the sharpness, the unevenness of the stones that push up on our sandals. As we arrive on the top of the hill, Come with me for a moment and touch the wood of the beam that Jesus had been forced to carry. Touch it. Don't rub your hand across that beam or you're going to get splinters in your flesh. It's a rough beam. That's the cross beam. We need to step back And watch with John and the other women as a scene unfolds before us. Jesus is laid on that cross. His arms are stretched out. And you hear the ring of the hammer as it hits that nail, driving that nail through the flesh of Jesus into that beam of wood. When Jesus is finally nailed there on the cross. Many men work together, pulling and pushing to get that cross into the upright position. And they let it drop into the hole in the ground. That drop jars every bone and muscle in Jesus' body. It's a horrible scene one that we really don't want to look at, one that we want to shield our eyes from, one we want to turn away from, and yet our eyes are transfixed on Jesus Christ, hanging there on that cross, with the blood flowing down from that crown of thorns. It's not only the sight of Jesus hanging on the cross, but you hear the ridicule You hear the insults that people are hurling at Jesus. And we hear the words of Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus tells the other one hanging beside him, Today you will be with me in paradise. He speaks, asking John to take care of his mother. And then the final words, it is finished. With that, his head drops, and you know his life is gone. You remain there quietly, looking at that cross. Looking at Jesus Christ, the one who died for you. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and with Jesus Christ. Such great love Jesus has for each one of us that he was willing to go to the cross And take the punishment for our sins. Jesus died. But that's not the end of the story. It is not over. Because Jesus is alive. And he's interceding for us today. And someday he's going to return. And we who are the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, the children of God, will be taken with him into heaven. That day's coming soon. Are we ready? You know, if there's somebody here this morning that has some questions about Jesus Christ and you're saying, you know what, there's just some things I'm not sure about, you know, please don't leave without talking to me. But this week as you go out, continue looking to Jesus every day and let him guide your life because it's in Jesus that we find life. Amen.